I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon my very special guest, Sean McKee, who's known as the Vitality MD from America. Well, welcome to the show, Sean. Well, Elaine, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So, Vitality MD, that sounds um, a bit special. So, so why have you called yourself the Vitality MD? Well, I've always been known as the Energizer Bunny to my family. Um, love life, love um, sucking the marrow out of life, um, experiencing life with, as my grandmother says, been bigger in vitality. And um, I have just seen in um, my last 15 years or so that people who are in the prime of their life are struggling with you know, energy and lack of vitality. They've lost their sparkle. And in fact, I was one of those about nine years ago myself. Um, just entered into a completely unknown realm of just not having energy. And I didn't know what was going on. Um, I would literally fall asleep while my husband was telling me about his day sitting on the couch around, you know, seven or eight o'clock at night when I should be <laughs> able to stay awake. And um, in the morning, you know, my same sweet husband would come into the bedroom with a cup of coffee, hoping the aroma wafting in my nostrils would wake me up. And um, I just couldn't figure out why I didn't have the, the get up and go that I used to have. And so when I figured out that it was just a switch that needed to be flipped in my body. I really became passionate about helping people discover that they don't have to go through life without vitality. It's all about, you know, figuring out what it is that people need and, and addressing that simply and helping people find their sparkle again. Okay, that sounds that sounds interesting and actually a bit simple, a switch. Is it really that simple? Is there a switch in our body that we can use to, to give us energy? Well, there are several switches. Um, it's all about cellular signaling. Our body has uh, pathways, um, many pathways that when activated will tell the body to make more of the good guys. Um, the good guys being important enzymes like um, superoxide dismutase and proteins catalase, glutathione, um, there's so many, hemoxygenase, all these things um, that our bodies innately make um, can really get to work defending our body from environmental toxins and um, EMF and radiation and viruses and that kind of thing and also um, when our body does not have enough of those uh, good guys in there, taking out the trash, so to speak, um, our bodies become run down. And so there are pathways that if you know how to turn them on, um, the body just takes it from there. So how do you turn them on? Well, one of the pathways is such a, um, it's, it's a, it's a protein messenger that is found in every cell in our body. And it is basically like a thermostat. It, it senses cellular stress. And so there are various ways you can turn this pathway on a little bit, one of which is um, stress, okay? It turns it on because it senses cellular stress and thereby, you know, what is it? Uh, calls in the troops, so to speak. And um, so exercise will turn the switch on. And um, 
sauna, um, a little bit of, it's called formesis, a little bit of stress is a good thing. Um, but there are other ways you can do it. You can do it through food. For instance, broccoli has compound in it called sulforaphane that is really uh, the most, formerly the most, well, it's, a, it's the most potent single ingredient, single food activator of this, this protein, NRF2. Um, but you'd have to have, you know, seven pounds of broccoli sprouts to really, really ramp up your uh, good guys in enough degree to make an effect on cellular oxidative stress. And that's, um, that is kind of the root cause of malfunction, dysfunction, um, just cellular inability to repair. And um, so a better way is to use targeted, um, proven, like synergistic compounds that actually can do relatively simply a huge effect on um, activation of the NERF2 compound. So there's, there's a specific compound that, for instance, is seven times more powerful than, than the sulforaphane. Um, there are drugs that do it as well. Um, but generally, you know, a little bit of stress, um, heat, cold, um, exercise, fasting, those kind of things will turn on the, the first of the pathways. There are other pathways, um, but the NRF2 is kind of the foundational pathway because um, it's the master regulator of your cellular stress response. So is NRF2 the name of um, a pathway in our body or is it the name of a supplement? Because I've seen lots of stuff on Facebook about NRF2 activation. It's a pathway in our bodies. Um, there are there are several companies out there that have um, created supplements that they call NRF2 activators, um, but um, there there's got to be real science that shows that if you take X compound, it will activate NRF2 and therefore activate these end genes like hemoxygenase, catalase, glutathione superoxide dismutase by you know so much and then you can actually measure cellular oxidative stress there's a test called t-bars um thiodobutyric acid reactive substances that is a marker of lipid peroxidation the problem with the t-bars test is it has to be run instantaneously you take the blood out of the body it is exposed to oxygen and therefore oxidizes. So it has to be run right away. It's incredibly sensitive to time, temperature, jostling. And so if you do that test as a quote unquote send out lab, you're going to get wildly disparate uh, results in the same person and the same sample. Um, you know, so um, yeah, so it's, it's a pathway in our bodies. Okay. And um before before we started recording we had a little chat and i noticed you were wearing a t-shirt that said biohacking uh, talk, talk to me about biohacking well biohacking is really using cutting-edge science to become the absolute best version of yourself it is um taking control of a complex system namely your own biology and optimizing it so you know your environment you can biohack your environment by you know um using infrared lights to counteract the blue lights in your um, incandescent bulbs you can biohack your environment by purchasing an infrared sauna um, 
by, um, you know, getting an air filter, uh, you know, things like that, um, using um, clean household products and avoiding things that are, you know, endocrine disruptors and um, neurotoxins that uh, unfortunately find, our, find their way into our homes. That's one way to do it. But you can also biohack your cellular environment by, you know, taking specific blends of nutrients that are proven to turn on these pathways. Um, there's two other pathways that, um, that we can biohack, um, as well as we can biohack our, our gut, you know, which is a very, very important thing to do. Um, the gut microbiome is, has been known as a, a three pound quote unquote organ. Um, and the reason we call it an organ is it's, it's so vitally imperative to our cellular function. Um, we are 99% microbial. And um, I didn't know, you probably know that if you took all the DNA in your body and weighed it, it would be 99% viral, bacterial, uh, you know, fungal, and 1% human. And um, it's so important that we pay attention to these little buggers, really, um, and, and biohack them. Because if you feed um, the pathologic bacteria in your gut, um, they're going to flourish and they're going to crowd out the bacteria that are in there making glutathione and making vitamin C and making neurotransmitters. And um, we, need to, we need to be cognizant of what we're putting into our internal milieu so that we can biohack, optimize our biology and have it working for us and not against us. So um, you've, you've not just come, come across this information overnight, Sean, have you? Um, you've got a whole string of uh, qualifications behind you and you're actually a neuroradiologist, I believe. Yes, um, I hope that the listeners never need my services. I am the person that uh, reads the MRI of your brain or spine uh, when you go to your doctor with a neurologic issue. Um, that's my subspecialty and it's it's fascinating. It's it's really uh, gratifying to be kind of the um, the Sherlock Holmes of of medicine. Really, it's where people go to find the answers to the clues to what's going on. How did you get involved with that uh, form of medicine in the first place? Because it's not your average uh, nurse or GP or anything, is it? So so how did you get into neuroradiology? Um, yeah, it's it's the doctor's doctor. Uh, we are the consultant. So when I was in medical school, we would go on rounds and we would see the patient up on the fourth floor and we would hear their presentation and history. Uh, we would examine them and we would leave with a list of potential diagnoses, a differential diagnoses. And then in order to narrow that list down and come up with the diagnosis, we would head down to the basement where the where the x-ray department, the radiology department was. The reason it was in the basement was because um, the films were black and white and they were hung on light boards where the light would illuminate the x-rays from behind. And so it needed to be in the dark. So you, the only light would be going through the x-ray so you could get a high resolution um, view and not have um, a sheen or, or distractions from outside light. So we would go down to the basement and um, we would do we call radiology rounds where we would tell the radiologist what was going on with the patient and they would tell us what the images showed and then we would go oh well there's a you know 
hepatoma or whatever, we would come up with the answer. Um, of course, sometimes it would lead to having to get biopsies and laboratory corroboration, but generally the radiologist was where we went to find the answers to what was wrong with our patient. So um, from your, the biography that you sent to me, um, you said at, at one point you were the, you were, you were the former you were the chief of neuroradiology at the Keesler Air Force Base uh, Medical Center. So was that, um, did you do your medical training when you were in the Air Force or, or before? How, how did that, tell us your backstory. Well, I went to medical school at the University of Florida uh, where I met my amazing husband. Um, we met on an elevator. My classmate asked if I met her big brother in medical school. You have big brothers and big sisters that tell you about the professors and which books to get, that kind of thing. And I said, no. Um, so we met on an elevator uh, going up to the library. And um, so we, we dated for about four months. We got engaged, got married nine months later. And um, then uh, he got a residency in Jacksonville. So I definitely wanted to do radiology. So I did a radiology residency because I fell in love with the whole Sherlock Holmes thing. Um, and then we kind of had to try to match together um, for our fellowships, our advanced training. And uh, I, re I received a fellowship at the Tufts New England Medical Center um, in neuroradiology, and he came there for gastroenterology. Um, during this time uh, for medical school, I was paid the medical school training was paid for by the United States Air Force. And they deferred my commitment until I was fully trained. Um, they needed neuroradiologists. So they gladly you know, deferred my uh, paying them back for the uh, radiology or for the medical school training until I was a fully um, board certified uh, senior member of the American Society of Neuroradiology, uh, neuroradiologists. And so then they, um, activated my commitment and I did four years of um, neuroradiology uh, service at Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi, which is about one town over from where I live. So where, where do you live now, Sean? It's a little town, an uh, idyllic town, as you described, in, in, on the Gulf Coast um, of the Gulf of Mexico called Ocean Springs. It is, I really recommend, if you've never been, come to visit. We have an amazing um, Chamber of Commerce. We've got a downtown that's covered with a canopy of oaks and uh, mom and pop shops, restaurants, music, art galleries. Um, it's, it's a lovely beach and uh, it's a great place to visit. It does sound idyllic, absolutely. So when you're not um, doing your Sherlock Holmes with the neuroradiology, um, I gather you're you're a bit of a sporty sporty sort. So tell us about your uh, your triumphs. You've done uh, quite a few uh, interesting things that the average human being wouldn't even dream about. Never mind uh, put on some running shoes. <laughs> well, when I was in uh, high school, my dad had uh, started running marathons, and I didn't live with my dad. I lived with my mom, um, but I always uh, dreamt of running a marathon with him. So. Um, I started training, and in 1984, I think it might have been 83, no, it was 83, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon with my dad, and it was a wonderful experience. And then I ran it again in um, 1984, um, and um, then once again, I ran it with my husband, not with my husband, with my dad, uh, several years later in medical school, um, and my husband greeted me at the finish line with 
dozen roses. It was wonderful. Um, and then in college, I really took up um, riding bikes, and I was uh, my jobs in college and in high school were working at health and fitness uh, facilities. So um, triathlon just kind of was a natural uh, fit. So I competed in several um, sprint triathlons and um, a little bit longer triathlons in college, um, also several 5Ks and 10Ks. And then when uh, I was in the Air Force, my husband turned 40 and kind of had a midlife crisis, and he, he started um, training for marathons and triathlons and some friends said well you know if you run marathons and triathlons you might as well run an Ironman <laughs> so right after the birth of my second child um, I started training for longer distance triathlons with my husband and the next the nine months later I ran um, a full Ironman in Florida um, and we had funny we both qualified that year for the International Triathlon Union ITU World Championships in Ibiza Spain we were very excited because we would get to wear, you know, U.S. uniform. Um, but it was in 2002, and I was a little bit uneasy because of the 2001 events and world travel with a baby, you know, two babies. And so um, I, we declined to go, ultimately. I kind of regret it because it would have been a, an experience of a lifetime. But, um, you know, we, we made the decision that we needed to make. Um, and then about... 10 years later, after running a couple of Ironman, another Ironman triathlon, and then you know several half Ironmans, a friend said, hey, I've entered into a 50-mile ultramarathon. Let's do it together. So I said, okay. So I ran a 50-mile marathon, uh, ultramarathon, and that friend, by the way, did not. <laughs> she kind of backed out, and I'm like, well, I said I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. So um, a 50-mile ultra, ultra marathon, is it ultra triathlon? I've got muddled up with all the names now. <laughs> no, the, I have not done an um, ultra, tri, uh, ultra triathlon. There are double Ironman triathlons. I have not done that. Um, the longest I've done is 140.6 self-propelled miles, um, which is the uh, standard Ironman triathlon distance. But the, um, the ultra marathon was really uh, a wonderful day it was you had to finish in 12 hours so um i was running along at about 14 minute miles or so and you know walking periodically i actually received a lot of wise counsel from experienced ultra marathoners as i was running along they were like you need to walk the hills and so you know so i got all these little pointers but um my dad uh, had actually ridden a bicycle out from the finish line to find me and I was about four miles from the finish line. And so I, I asked the, the next aid station worker how, how much time I had left. And I knew I had four miles to go and I had 36 mile, minutes to finish or not be qualified. Because you know, if you did it, the whole thing and you did it in 12 hours and one second, the finish report would say did not finish. Oh, <laughs> I was man, not going to have that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I picked up on my toes and I and I kind of ran the last four miles and nine minute miles and my dad was like that's all I can do to keep up with you on the bike. But uh, that was that was a close one. Um, but I did finish in well under um, twelve hours and so I got to actually have a a report that said I finished. <laughs> Very grateful. Crikey, I couldn't do it in twelve days. Never mind twelve hours. I'd take my hat off to you, Sean. So, so how, do, how do you spend your time on a day-to-day -day basis these days with all these experiences behind you? 
Well, I, you know, I have, um, have curtailed my um, oxidizing habits a, a little bit because in the, um, you know, ensuing education as I became, you know, aware that, okay, this Energizer Bunny thing is, is kind of not happening anymore. Um, I started learning more about oxidative stress and coincidentally athletes, ultra marathoners, endurance athletes have an incredible amount of oxidative stress because they're breathing a lot of oxygen, right? They're exposed to, in fact, when I ran that 50 mile race, it was in the, the forest and there were, had been controlled burns. So I'm sitting there, I, I literally breathed smoke for 12 hours. It's crazy. I can't believe I did that to myself, but oxidative stress, you know, there's a healthy balance. We need a little bit of it to kill bacteria, right? You know, that's how our macrophages, you know, extinguish toxins as they, you know, put hydrogen peroxide on them and kills them. So we need a little bit. Um, you need it when you're injured to help your body repair. But the problem comes when your body is overwhelmed with oxidative stress and you've got so much, um, you know, free radical damage coming in from the environment, from the air we breathe, the, the food we eat, it's a byproduct. And if your body's not making those good guys enough, um, there's a gap and that's called oxidative stress. So I learned this. And so I started becoming more rational, reasonable with my exercise routine. So typical morning, I get up at six and go to the gym and work out for 45 minutes. I do heavy lifting. I also do um, a little bit of cardio, but I'm trying not to overdo it anymore. <laughs> and then come home and, you know, read. I actually, teleradiology is, is a wonderful thing for radiologists. Uh, used to have to go to, you know, a hospital, go to the basement and read films on a, on a conveyor belt, really. But now the images can come into my home through teleradiology. So um, that's been amazing. And, um, and I also spend time helping people learn how to flip the switch. I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about helping motivated doers flip the switch on their vitality genes so they can feel better, do more, and become the absolute best version of themselves. So do you have a private practice then alongside your teleradiology? I love that term, teleradiology. Fantastic. Yes. The, the technology we have today has just opened up so many pathways for people to live a more balanced life, haven't they? Oh my goodness, yes, and that's what it's all about. It's about balance, um, balancing our stressors, balancing you know the ebb and flow of our lives. So, um, my teleradiology is my professional life, and this um, vitality MD is just kind of a passion. So I I don't have a clinic per se. I just um, you know if people have a need, I am happy to share with them my solutions that I found. Um, the specific targeted gene activators that turn on these the nrf 2 pathway then we didn't even talk about the nrf1 pathway which is mitochondrial biogenesis um, you know in order to have the cellular energy to take out the trash and to have those macrophages and you know all the things that are going on is the production of superoxide dismutase and glutathione phase one and phase two liver detoxification we absolutely need our mitochondria and the problem is that as the mitochondria are damaged from those free radicals, from that oxidative stress, they are where the energy is produced in the cells. And they're very, very closely tied to that pollution. You know, the energy production and the pollution are hand in hand. And their, their mitochondrial membranes are 
right there and they're going to get damaged. And um, once they get damaged to a certain degree, they kind of self-destruct. It's called mitophagy. And so now our cells, say our brain cells have 100,000 mitochondria per cell. Our heart has 10,000 mitochondria per cell. Most cells have over 1,000. Well, as so, so many of them are self-destructing because of this oxidative stress and you know, damage, now our cells trying to do the same amount of work, detoxify, think, digest, heartbeat, contract, with fewer mitochondria. So it's, it's a, a vicious cycle. We are trying to do the same amount of work with less energy, and no wonder we get tired as we get older, right? So you said you've, you've, you've just popped in NRF1. You've already mentioned NRF2. Is there, are there any more NRFs to, to, to <laughs> in the well, I, I'm Yes, I'm sure there are. Um, the third pathway that I have um, focused on and found fascinating is, is starts with an N, but it involves a molecule called NAD, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. And why it's so important is it's the fuel for a set of proteins in our bodies called sirtuins. And sirtuin is spelled S-I-R-T-U-I-N. And it's late, named for um, an abbreviation, silent information regulators, S-I-R. And what these proteins do is, well, there are seven of them, first of all, um, one in the cytoplasm, uh, three in the nucleus, and three in the mitochondria. And they will spool our DNA and spooling, just think of it like a, a spool of yarn, right? They'll wrap it up anywhere there are genes that would be harmful, cancer-causing genes, inflammation-causing genes, that kind of thing. They spool it, and when it's spooled, RNA cannot decode or code, you know, cannot read the DNA. So those proteins will not be produced. So they are silent information regulators. They're they're spooling and protecting our cells from transcription of damaging DNA. The other thing that they do is they will, when a DNA strand break occurs, they will go and repair that DNA with another protein called PARP. And so the other, the, the other important thing that these proteins do is they actually serve as kind of the CEO of the cell. They tell all of those other good guys, the superoxide dismutase, the glutathione, the hemoxygenase, they tell those proteins and enzymes where to go and what to do. So this pathway is exceptionally important. And again, as we get older, our NAD declines 60% after age 40 and even more after age eight, uh, for the next 20 years. It's a precipitous decline in our NAD. It's because NAD is used to make energy. It's used up in all of our cellular processes. And if you have you know, health challenges, or you work out, or you drink alcohol, you're consuming NAD at, a, at an exponential rate. And so um, if you can figure out a way um, to activate or increase the production of NAD, that's great. You know, um, there's ways that you can actually rev up that production. And, and it's way more effective than just taking a pile of precursors. You know, NAD is a molecule in nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, like I said, it's made up of niacin. So there are precursors you can take along the pathway of, of manufacturing NAD. But I, I liken that to bringing a pile of bricks to a house construction site. And yes, if the construction workers had been waiting on a load of bricks to proceed, 
the house will go up faster. So if you're deficient in an AD, or sorry, if you're deficient in the precursors, yes, bringing more precursors will increase your production, you know, 30, 40% over a few months. But a better way to do that increased production is to bring more construction workers in all the materials. And that's, uh, that's what these pathway activators can do. And, and that's the magic of activating a biologic pathway. So how do we actually do this? It, it all sounds um, intriguing and um, I'm sure listeners will be uh, a bit sort of uh, bamboozled by all the, all the medical jargon and, and, uh, and everything. But, but what, what is in lay terms, what is the simple things that, that listeners can do to help um, protect their DNA and repair the damage and, and um, help to um, produce more NAD, particularly those after 40? And I think a lot of our listeners are over the age of 40. Well, great. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are synergistic activators that I take um, that uh, I educate about in a group that I have um, that I have on Facebook. It's a, a private, fun, and interactive, it's a free educational group that's run by physicians, um, including myself. Um, and we have in there doctors that talk about the specific um, blends of nutrients you know, otherwise you're just guessing, you know, you're just guessing and it's best to have um, thing, proven peer reviewed published data that show what you're taking actually works. And if any of your listeners are on Facebook, I'm happy to share um, a link. I actually have a, a tiny URL link because Facebook's so clunky with the, you know, facebook.com forward slash group. So um, I can share it if you'd like. Yes, please do. Yes, absolutely. Okay, it's a tinyurl.com um, website. So um, tiny, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L.com forward slash vitality, the number four, life. Tinyurl.com forward slash vitality for life. That is um, our free, fun and educational, interactive Facebook group. And, and that's, I, I really recommend that because the science is, as you say, bamboozling. It's just like, it's confusing. It's, um, it's overwhelming sometimes. And it's good to be in a community where other people have not only, um, you know, can explain it, but they can also share, you know, what it's done for them. Um, because, you know, the human body is absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, you think you've tried everything and, you know, you may give up hope and, my goodness, you've done this and that and this approach and you're eating, you know, gluten-free and organic and you're exercising with high intensity interval training and you're doing intermittent fasting and, you know, all these things and you're still exhausted. Um, it's really neat to see people come into the community with that and you can see their story over time as the kind of the fall gets lifted. So um, we're talking a supplement, presumably, are we? Well, uh, I, there's supplement, like I said, supplementation is what you do when you're deficient in a nutrient. So um, yes, there are some supplements that you can take that you're probably deficient in, like, for instance, prebiotics to feed the good, the beneficial bacteria. Because when you feed the beneficial bacteria, they will, out, they will crowd out the bad guys, you know, the bad bacteria. Um, but the others, you know, I guess technically they're a supplement because they're not drugs, but they're not really supplementing, you know, you're not uh, deficient in a specific herb, for example, 
but um, because they kind of crack the code on gene activation, um, I like to call them activators. They're activators. Okay, so that's um, tinyurl.com forward slash vitality, the number four and life. So people can go onto that link and then um, find themselves or presumably apply to join your Facebook group. Is that how it yes, works? And, right. And please, you know, mention your podcast as a, uh, you know, when there's questions that you answer. So um, we'd love for them to, you know, answer with your podcast, Elaine. Right. Okie dokie. So um, what else have you got um, up your sleeve that you can talk to us about medically that uh, will be of interest to the listeners? Well, you had mentioned you were doing some blood analysis. Yeah. Um, and what I like to, um, what I really like is that, you know, live blood analysis, I don't know if you're, you're doing dried blood analysis, which is different than live blood analysis, but you can, with dried blood analysis, you can determine, isn't there a way you can tell it whether there's oxidative stress? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I've just had my bloods done again, actually. I did them last July when I started my training, my biohacking training. And um, everything that uh, my blood showed up then, it, it did show up oxidative stress. It shows up, up uh, lymphatic problems. It showed adrenal stress. There were a whole bundle of things, and um, including digestive problems, which I'm prone to because mm -hmm. I, had, um, I was on antibiotics for 23 years. Um, for a condition I was under medical supervision and um, I was told I'd be on them for life well 20 oh, well over 20 years ago I, I um, was introduced to natural health and well-being and I took myself off but as a result of being on them for 23 years I've, I have got digestive issues which always comes up but all of the things that were picked up in my bloods last July I've now fixed I've just had my bloods done again and the only thing that's coming up pretty much is, is still the digestive. So I need to do a lot of work on that. But yeah, the, the dry blood shows up um, and parasites and um, all kinds of cardiovascular, even, even structural problems that will show up if somebody's got a problem with their spine, um, their shoulders and this sort of thing. It's, it's amazing. But as you say, the live blood analysis will give you different readings. And um, I've had live blood analysis before and it shows you you can actually see it's really spooky isn't it when you look through the microscope and you can see the blood cells and, and things crawling around it's this fascinating absolutely really truly um yeah and what i love is that you know like you said you can see the absolute results of when you've addressed oxidative stress when you've addressed gut dysbiosis and cellular membrane permeability um you know one of the things that americans are deficient in for example, is, well, UK, you know, everywhere in the world, practically, uh, other than societies that eat uh, a lot of cold water fish, um, is omega-3s. And, you know, your cell membrane is made up of these um, omegas, these fat, fatty acids, and um, they are essential because they make up the cellular membrane and you can't manufacture them, so you have to get them from your diet. And... Um, you can see healthy cellular membranes through live blood analysis. You can see oxidative stress. You can literally see the iron oxidizing in live blood analysis. Um, and it's so gratifying when you address these underlying issues that you can see it right there in front of your eyes, you know? And so um, another way you can see it literally is with your skin. Um, your skin is your largest organ and it is, affected by oxidative stress, both from the inside, from your capillaries, and from the outside, from the environment, the chlorine in your bath and, and 
if you swim in a pool, the sunlight, um, the, the products that you put on your skin, um, shampoo, uh, lotions, soaps. And um, so like blood analysis, your skin will show um, the effects of whether you have a healthy internal milieu or whether you are maybe not so healthy on the inside. So um, I like to tell people to, you know, if you, if you have access to blood analysis, to get that, um, that way you can see what's happening and see how, how things are improving. You don't feel oxidative stress, just like you don't feel your cholesterol number um, or, or cancer cells dividing, God forbid. Um, but sometimes after several months of having too much of it, you feel that because it affects your organ systems. And so when you've addressed it and like you, you're, you're feeling so much, you know, you're, you're, you've addressed the underlying causes and so you're feeling better, your blood shows, your skin probably looks better. Um, so yeah, pay attention. I'm a great believer in measuring because if you don't know what you're measuring, then how do you know if you've improved or not until, you know, things start dropping off or, you know, your skin is bad and so on and so forth. I'm in my 60s now and I often get complimented on my skin and my vitality and so on. It's because I work at it. You know, I, 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 I'm a great believer in, as you say, not putting anything dodgy on my skin. I, I don't knowingly have anything that's that's um, toxic on my skin. Everything I do is natural. Um, I, I don't put any lotions and potions. I use oils, um, natural oils. Um, I, I, you know, anything I shower in or bath in is all natural and uh, so on so and it's, it's really important because it's a build-up isn't it it's not just you don't suddenly wake up and you're 40 and you've you've people that then uh, say well I'm you know I've been all right all these years I'm 40 I'm 50 whatever it is I've been all right so far but it's a build-up isn't it one day you look in the mirror and you see see your mother or you know your grandmother even looking back at you <laughs> absolutely my father is a pilot and he likens it to uh, an airplane that the motor has stopped working okay it will fly it will continue to fly for a mile or two but eventually it's coming down <laughs> you know <laughs> you will land that plane if you don't have the engine if you are not actively combating this toxic world that we live in and if you continue to blithely use things that are toxic and expose yourself and and the opposite of biohack hijack your environment um your plane's going to come down you're, you're going to have those wrinkles you're going to have that lack of zest um it will it will rear its ugly head and so the more we can do the earlier the better we're going to feel um and the better we're going to look absolutely it's all about um being proactive isn't it absolutely you know i i, I think that 100 years ago we didn't need to biohack necessarily because all of our food was organic and all of our meats were grass fed and wild caught and locally sourced. Um, but to, and the mineral and the soil was replete with minerals and vitamins, but today our soil is depleted. Um, our foods are tainted. Um, you know, our environment is toxic. And so our pathways really do need to be activated. We do need to increase our production of those good guys that can get to work. Um, I, interestingly, I don't know if you've heard about a particular type of melon in the south of France that doesn't rot very quickly. Um, they found that that melon doesn't rot very quickly because it produces a lot of superoxide dismutase and we can be that melon, you know, let's not rot quickly.
Well, what's it called? I've not. I must. Uh, I must go and get some. What's it called? What's well, it called? I used to. I actually heard about it um, from a, um, a advertisement for some topical skin goo. Um, my husband used to call these things that I would get for my skin because I had blotchy skin and I didn't like it. So I would buy every lotion and potion before I learned all about you know my biohacking journey. And I had heard about this one lotion. Uh, skin cream that had been produced from the melon. I don't remember the breed, the genus, the species of the particular melon, but the whole point was it made more SOD. So I bought it and put it on my skin. Very happy that my skin was receiving the SOD from the melon, you know, but it, I didn't like the way it felt. It was tacky and sticky. And then it was like an aha eureka moment when my doctor told me about, you know, this particular blend of herbs that will in reduce oxidative stress. It does it by turning up my own production of SOD. So my body is the body in the south of France that produces more SOD, not the melon, but the body, you know, so yeah. I, I just, uh, it made a lot of sense to me. Okay, and people can find out about this by going onto your group. Yes. Brilliant, okie dokie. And um, you mentioned about the um, omega, omega-3 and omega-6, and I've done quite a lot of research about this over the last year or so, and and um, as you say, that in, in every, pretty much everything that we eat, um, foods that are fried, processed foods, omega-6 is everywhere. But we oh, need yes. a balance, don't we, of omega-3 and omega-6 for our cells to be permeable so that the good stuff goes in and, and the toxic waste can come out of our cells. So talk, talk to us a little bit about um, the omega balance. Yes, it's all about you know, cellular membrane permeability because that's how cells communicate. That's how those neurotransmitters you know, do the work of, you know, telling your neurons, you know, make this message happen, make this information go from here to there. Um, and, you know, if omega-6s are a little more stiff, less pliable than omega-3s, um, your body will, your cell membrane needs to be constructed of these uh, omegas and think of them like bricks, okay? You're building the house of your cell with bricks and you can either use, you know, um, bricks that are you know, effective, or you can use like styrofoam bricks, right? Either way, you're going to have a structure of a house. Well, you want to use the ones that are your body's meant to. And if you have too many omega-6s, you're going to be building your cellular membrane with stiff bricks, you know, or styrofoam, whatever. The analogy got a little mixed there, but <laughs> um, you want to um, utilize the optimal uh, construction element. And if your diet has too many omega-6s, you're going to use omega-6s. And the only way you can balance it out, if you have a lot of omega-6s, which we do by default, just because that's in the industrialized uh, food supply, crackers, breads, any uh, industrial meats, um, vegetable oils, they all have omega-6s. And in order to get that balance back, you have to supplement with omega-3s. because um, you, you're just, you can definitely try to decrease the omega-6s. It's just kind of a losing battle. The current ratio is around 18 or higher to one of omega-6s to omega-3s. Some places it's 40 to 50 to one. It's crazy. Um, ideally, it needs to be less than four to one. Two to one, some people say, or even one to one. That's what produces a healthy cellular membrane that is flexible, permeable. Um, you know, they share a pathway 
now yes, omega-6s go down to, you know, arachidonic acid and inflammasomes and things like that. And that's important, again, for fighting infection and whatnot. But when it becomes overwhelming and your body's not making enough of the antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, uh, sorry, the anti-inflammatory um, end products, it's because the omega-6 has taken over that kind of that supply chain that they share. I, when I was doing my research, um, the, the numbers that you've quoted are exactly what I, what I came across. And uh, I was really delighted to have my balance checked, my omega-3 and omega-6. And as you say, 18 to 1, um, Europeans are 17 to 1, um, 17 parts omega-6 to 1 omega-3. And ideally, we want to, as you say, under 4. My, my measure was 7 to 1. So I was really pleased the, the way that I'm eating and living and so on and so forth. This is pretty okay. Um, but I do supplement now and um, I didn't supplement at that point but I do supplement now uh, from time to time I don't do it all the time because I believe in your body needs to be working on its own steam so every mm -hmm. every three months or so I'll change my routine and um, I'll get the body working on its own and then I might take uh, omega-3 for six uh, three to six months say and then I'll, I'll leave it off again so I, I chop and change according to how I'm feeling and, and how my tests are coming out that's great. You are definitely a biohacker for sure. And, and it's all about tracking. Like, you know, you can't change what you don't m measure and, uh, or you can't change what you don't track and you can't track what you don't measure. So it's great that you're measuring. I have a litmus test though for omegas and that is um, literally the lick test. So I tell people, um, obviously if you put oxidized oils into your body, that is going to increase oxidative stress. Um, and you know, it's so critically important to get a fresh quality, non-oxidized omega-3. Um, and the way you tell if it's oxidized or not is to cut open the capsule, squeeze it on a plate and lick it <laughs> or sniff it and lick it. And if you can do that without gagging, it's a fresh, you know, omega. But if, if it smells rancid, it is rancid and you don't even want to give it to your dog, you want to throw it away. So that's um, an important test if you're going to, when you take omega-3s to make sure that you've got a quality one that is protected from oxidation, that is molecularly distilled in inert gases um, and has you know preservatives in it like rosemary and lemon and lime, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, and that's really important. A lot of people think, oh, I'll, I'll buy it off the internet and it's cheap as chips and it'll, it'll you know be okay for me, but that's not the case. I don't use capsules, I actually, I actually, <laughs> take liquid and I swig it out the bottle because it tastes so nice. I right, have that's great. Very, very uh, healthy uh, wild wild sauce, uh, which is uh, lemon lemon and orange flavored and it, uh, it tastes delicious and I know it's doing me good. So yes. Thank you so much for your time today, Sean. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you and uh, such, uh, such information you've got to share. So the, the show um, listeners, remember that the show is repeated on saturday at 11 o'clock so if you haven't uh, managed to take down all the notes and everything um you will be able to have an opportunity to listen again on 11 o'clock this coming saturday and also on my website perfect-health.co.uk go to the radio page and um the program will appear on there as well so you've got a couple of opportunities to um to uh, to listen again to what sean's saying and don't forget sean's uh link uh, which is uh, tinyurl.com forward slash vitality number four life. And then you can pop into her, her Facebook group and uh, obviously mention that you heard about her on here. 
So, sure, before we go, I ask guests to come up with a couple of songs, and your choices are She Blinded Me with Science, and uh, that's by Thomas Dolby, and I Feel Good by James Brown. So, why did you choose both of these? Well, I do feel good, and I want everyone to feel good. Um, life is too short to go through it feeling crummy and without your zest and your sparkle. And um, blinded me with science. That is exactly how I felt when my doctor said the words that there was something that could reduce oxidative stress by an average of 40% in just 30 days in humans, and it was clinically proven in peer-reviewed published studies. I was like, blinded by the science. I was so excited. I went to PubMed and I read all the studies and um, it was a eureka moment. And, and then, you know, after activating my pathways, it took several weeks, but it was like a veil had been lifted. I was no longer foggy and frazzled. I was joyful and jubilant and I felt good. So I wish that everyone would feel good. Fantastic. And the uh, blinded with the science thing, that's a tongue in cheek, um, something or other, I believe. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, there, I think there was a movie um, that had that featured and it. it was a fun, fun movie. But yeah, it's all about science. So, you know, if you if you are just poking and guessing and grabbing a supplement off the shelf because you read a, an article about it and you figure, oh, we might as well add, you know, green tea or olive leaf extract or ginkgo biloba or ginseng. It's like, you know, oh, it's selenium. I might be deficient in this and that. It's like guesswork. Um, the key is to actually have something that has the science that backs it up, that proves that it's working at a cellular level in, in a targeted way that truly does biohack your own biology and optimize you um, to be the absolute best version of yourself. Brilliant. Well, I should definitely be going on your site. Are there any other ways that people can contact you, Sean? Oh, yes. Um, my Facebook is uh, Sean Weaver McKee is my, is my name, S-H-A-U-N. Weaver, W-E-A-V-E-R, McKee. And my messenger is like m.me forward slash S-H-A-U-N dot W dot Nikki. Um, that's messenger is a great way to reach out to me. Um, if you would like to text my uh, phone number is US 228-424-3935. Um, I'm reachable by that most times. Um, just, you know, give me time and I'll get back to you. I'll answer personally. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Sean, for your time and your songs are coming up and uh, I will see you on uh, online, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Lena. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Have a blessed day. Thank you.